everyone bow at once. <laughs> it's kind of nice. It's like we're in the Zendo and we're doing it all together. <clears throat> it's good to see so many of you and more people are arriving. Uh, so let's enjoy a few moments of sitting zazen. Um, settling in with each other and, and for each other.
Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. The, the prompt that came to me this week that um, sort of stimulated my, my thoughts and dropped into my practice <clears throat> comes from one of our dear friends that we reference often and uh, someone who's no longer with us, John O'Donohue. And it's a quote that some of you may know. I had not seen it uh, before. And it was very uh, as beautiful and encouraging as his words often are. It's just uh, four brief lines. Uh, he wrote, I would love to live like a river flows, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. I would love to live like a river flows, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. So I've uh, sat with this and um, it's been sort of the, the, the koan or the thing that I've practiced with, a little grit that's uh, um, started to form, I hope something like a pearl anyway. Uh, these are the things through the week that, um, that have come to me as I've sat with this particular uh, beautiful statement. That, that first line, I would love to live like a river flows. <clears throat> Is there some other way to live? You're, we are always living out the reality of life. It's always flowing. All the time. Or outside of time. But, but there's only flow. Now we have opinions about the quality of the flow sometimes, about this life, this flowing, um, but our opinions and our reaction, that's also part of the flow. Both the opinions themselves and the things we have opinions about, that's all part of the flow. And the Eightfold Path, where we have this beautiful list of, um, of practice pointers and opportunities, right view, right intention, right action, right all these things. That word right, you've heard us say many times, is um, the original word marga, uh, means like flowing at the center. And there's a river analogy that's used. Um, so a right intention would be an intention that's flowing along at the center where all the water is going together. We're flowing in, a, in accord with life, not thrown off or diverted or caught in eddies or side tributaries. And, and we call it right, but not right as in opposed to wrong, but in accord with, accord with life. So in the Buddhist teaching, there's this uh, suggestion in the same way that we're always living out the reality of life in this flow, because that's uh, there's only the flow. 
minus our opinions about it, but actually that's part of the flow. And, and even these teachings imply opinions, even if they're really subtly held. I, I know that I have and have had ideas and ideals, and some of those ideals uh, have not been reached, and some of them have been thwarted. Some of them have seemingly been reached, or there are things that have been nourishing or sustaining, but it's easy to feel caught or contracted, uh, obstructed, uh, dammed up maybe, or inhibited. So when we read these um, beautifully simple and powerful lines, like, I would love to live like a river flows, uh, for me there's this feeling of, uh, of release, of freedom, of naturalness, which is so inviting. And I'm assuming it's part of what the author intended. But we also know that sometimes flow in the form of a river is because um, ice and snow have melted and they're rushing down a mountain. Uh, I was speaking with someone yesterday who said their young relatives, um, um, nieces and nephews, had gone on part of the, is it the Pacific Crest Trail? I can't remember the exact, you know, in California and up in the Northwest and up, it goes all the way into BC maybe, but. And as they started out on their hike, they were met by a ranger who said, this year we've had more snow than ever in history. And so there are places where you have to cross streams, rivers, and normally you'd be wading across. They said, not only is it you can't wade, it's actually immensely dangerous. And so you're going to have to find, if you're going to do the hike, you're going to have to find some special places where you can cross. Uh, because the river is so powerful and, and dangerous. So that got me to thinking, as I continued to practice with these phrases, would I love the way the river flows when it's swollen and outside of its banks? When it carries away my home or my hiking buddy or my child? Because sometimes that's what a river does. Will you love the way the river flows when it ends up being just a muddy trickle during some of the terrible droughts we've had? Because these are the ways that rivers flow. And these are the ways that our life flows. And in the second part that I've been sitting with, uh, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding, there's that invitation to mystery, which John O'Donohue always puts in there, uh, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. And I thought, well, well, there are only surprises. And these things we call surprises in, in Buddhist terminology, we talk about impermanence, everything's changing, and contingency or interdependence. Um, in practice language, you use that, but it's basically surprises. That everything's unfolding as a surprise all the time. And there's only unfolding. Constant change and the enactment of mutual causality. Unfolding is all, all that's ever happening. And we use terms like, well, there's things that are upstream, and there are things that are downstream, but those are just relative names for places that situate us personally apart from the flow. They're self-referenced, they're self-centered. There's actually, in some ways, this is a weird way to think about it, there's actually no present moment. There's no fixed place in the stream. In a way, there's only, there's only the future and only the past. Everything is always upstream or downstream somewhere. So there's only this flow and we attempt to stop it to suit our sense of the world. And really, as I was sitting with this, for me, it was like to make it less frightening and uncertain. And our practice seems to me to be a commitment to engage what's frightening or uncertain, the, the surprises of the unfolding to uh, meet 
our vulnerability and the vulnerability of others, those we love, within the flow, which just means within our lives, that we're living out all the time. If you, you say, I'm not really living my real life, and that you are, you are really living the only life that you could possibly live. Uh, you have an idea of how it could be different and you might shape that and that might be beautiful and wonderful. But you're always living out the fullness of the flow of life in every single moment. Uh, because there is this freedom and this naturalness that's being implied by the poet, by the imagery, by the, the river's imagery. This, um, in me, kind of a longed for freedom and, and a naturalness, it's just a river flowing, expressed in this way. All the, all the beauty and the power and the sweetness and the horror, uh, you get the whole thing. This is, this is liberation carried by carried by its own unfolding, the surprise of its own unfolding. This is freedom, the being carried. <clears throat> and so, so these are some of the things that I was sitting with as I just kept this in mind and kept it close and kept it in my body and noticed how it moved in my body. I would love to live like a river flows, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. And some of the things I've said, which open up some of those phrases in a way, isn't a, uh, an argument with the author at all. It's just hopefully taking it further and deeper, um, as it did in my own, um, my own practice time with it. It's easy to go with the invitation, but sometimes it's hard to stay with what the invitation has us meet when we get, when we get there. There is a, a kind of a freedom and maybe wisdom that comes usually when we've been carried along by life for, for a while, which, which is a nice way of saying getting older. Uh, when we've been carried along for a while, usually in the second half of life, uh, but really it, it can arrive when you're surprised um, or when there, you have a response to something that pulls you or pushes you beyond some boundary or or a place where you may be comfortable uh, outside of the self-centered dream, you know, that we, we chant. And there is a kind of a grace um, that opens when our practice reveals within all of that what's always true, what's already true, right here, ready to be known, to be realized and, and embodied and shared as, as relationship that we realize that we are already living out the reality of life. And that we've, we've always been, been doing so. It, and you might notice when I say this, I'm not saying, I didn't say living out the reality of your life. We're living out the reality of life. We don't own the reality of life's flow, its incessant unfolding. We are in the flow, but even that suggests that we're, part, we're apart from it, like we're in something that isn't us. And there's, so another beautiful uh, set of phrases came to mind that I, I think I've used before in inquiry probably, because it was so powerful. Um, it's as if John O'Donohue was calling to Father Richard Rohr, you know, another uh, person who at least in the United States, uh, Rohr is a Franciscan, both Catholic and their uh, deeper faith. But as some of you know, who follows and has read some from um, Father uh, Rohr, he's, he uses theistic language, but when you read it, it sounds like it's coming from the heart of Dogen. It's like if Dogen was using that kind of language, this is the way he would sound. So I'm going to read what are two very brief paragraphs. So it's a few more sentences than just the four lines that Donahue used. And then I'm gonna go back and, and comment on them uh, because I, I sat with these two things together. So here's what uh, Richard Rohr says. 
there's something in you that's not touched by coming and going, by up and down, by for or against, by the raucous team of totally right or totally wrong. There's a part of you that is patient with both goodness and evil exactly as God is. There's a part of you that does not rush to judgment or demand closure now. Rather, it stands vigilant and patient in the tragic gap that almost every moment offers. So that line kind of stopped me, but he goes on because the next line is like the knockout punch of the two. God is a riverbed of mercy. It is vast, silent, restful, and resourceful. And it receives and also lets go of all the comings and goings. It is awareness itself, as opposed to judgment. And awareness is not as such thinking. It refuses to be pulled into the emotional and mental tugs of war that most of life is. To look out from this untouchable silence is what we mean by contemplation. So that's quite a bit, but here's, uh, you know, river language again, inviting us into what is and not denial of any of the pain and pleasure or loss and gain, but that doesn't situate us in it. It's, it's patient. Patient, vigilant and patient not getting caught in judgment or demand that life be other than it is, which is our definition of suffering. And he writes, there's something in you that is not touched, uh, which calls to this new perspective, like there's a witness. There's actually, there's actually not some thing inside of you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we have to use words to point, and it, and it makes sense, and it helps us along the way. There is some, there's a space, there's spaciousness. There's spaciousness. It's actually full, but isn't in reaction to everything. And then he writes in the next sentence, there is a part of you that is patient, which is understandable and useful in his message, but I want to remind you that what he's pointing to, what is not touched, what is patient and vigilant, isn't a part, if you use IFS language. This isn't some like good spiritual part of you. Like he's pointing to the ground of being. As in IFS, that would be self energy and Buddhism, no self or, or Buddha nature. In fact, I was playing with that first paragraph and I, I wrote it this way. Your true nature is not touched by coming and going, by up and down, by for or against, by the raucous team of totally right or totally wrong. The natural state is patient with both goodness and evil, exactly as reality this moment is. And being just this moment you don't rush into judgment or demand closure now, rather Buddha nature or spaciousness or the ground of being stands vigilant and patient in the tragic gap that almost every moment offers. This is the gate of the Dharma, the gap of separation that we live in sometimes. What is this gap? You know, what makes it tragic? It's, it's like the, there are few poetic words that's describing the first noble truth, the unsettling nature of existence and the way we react, we react to discomfort that we call suffering. But it's an, it's an offer. Um, vigilant and patient in the tragic gap that every moment, it's an offer. Will you accept the offer to be separate in this undivided life 
and separate yourself from the flow or will you plunge in or you step through the Dharma gate into that powerful line where he says God is a riverbed of mercy he didn't say that God or the ultimate or whatever you want to use as a replacement for that word if you're uncomfortable with it it didn't say it's, he's, it's the river it's the river bed it's the space which the river can flow it says it's vast silent restful and resourceful and receives and also lets go of all the comings and goings and then he goes more specifically says it's awareness itself and awareness is not thinking once again this is like from Dogen it refuses to be pulled into all this and then he says to look out from this untouchable silence is what we mean by contemplation which is a really interesting definition of zazen you could even rewrite and say zazen is a riverbed of mercy zazen is a vast silent restful resourceful receiving letting go not thinking not pulled into thought even though thought arises and to sit taking care of your body and your breath in this silence is zazen because mercy is a word that we don't use very often I think and grace was I spoke about earlier I, I was looking up the some distinguishing definitions um, grace being defined as a it was interesting they call it courteous goodwill which I don't know <laughs> um, but it's something that's not asked for or deserved it's given freely um, and mercy being the compassion and the kindness shown to someone whom you don't necessarily have to feel that way toward maybe someone you don't feel so great about but you extend loving kindness instead a mercy uh, it's a, it's an act meant to relieve someone of their suffering um, you're I think this is our our heart and our mind and our life is this riverbed the river changes but we get down to what is our what's the essential space through which life flows this life real life your life my life lived fully and engaged with an open questioning heart of inquiry this is in some ways this is the whole of practice living out the flow of life together nothing, nothing's missing everything is given to you in every moment but sometimes this everything can feel like an overwhelming tsunami of confusion or pain but sometimes it's also equally awash in tenderness and love beyond anything you can imagine your life is the whole of practice I was speaking with my um, my friend DeWitt this week and I was was going to quote some lines from uh, a Mary Oliver poem as I'm I often do um, right at the end of the the poem the swans which some of you know I, I don't need to repeat the whole thing but <clears throat> she paints a beautiful and detailed word picture of a, of a swan and what a swan does and what a swan is and she's particular and careful in her description like a poet is and like she is very simply and directly but then she makes a turn as she often does at the end of the poem and this is what I was talking with DeWitt about because you know how Mary Oliver does she uses nature to lure you in and then she offers you these things that are like ah. Oh. here are the last three lines and did you feel it in your heart how it pertained to everything 
And have you two finally figured out what beauty is for? And have you changed your life? And we had a great conversation. I didn't know this. DeWitt teared up. He said, that's my favorite Mary Oliver poem. And that, those are my favorite lines of poetry. And we began to talk about how, you know, Zen practice or religious practice, whatever, is not some special event. Uh, something extra. A holy something added on top of like regular life. It's just the way to help us appreciate our life. And to know that life itself is our practice. And hopefully we show each other and our teachers show us that these practices that we do engage, like bowing, um, chanting, every moment of silent presence we share together, every question and concern that comes up, every moment of kindness, and even the disappointments and the, the hate, we come to realize, I think in our hearts, how each of these things pertains to everything. Have you felt it in your heart, she says, how it's pertained to everything? And our life turns on this kind of awareness, this realization. In the beginning, at least, I, since I'm a little bit achievement-oriented in my construction, I, I began by thinking I wanted to do it all right. You know, to act right in the Zendo, to think uh, different, in a special way, like a disciple of the Buddha would think, or to speak in the correct way, like a good Zen student would, you know, all that. But after a while, maybe in a way, all that's left, after all these attempts at what we think or practice, most of us do come to feel that it's just the deep appreciation of our life, which is a practice. Just the appreciation of the flow of life, which we're always living. Sitting on a cushion isn't particularly special. Um, and the zazen isn't just something we do on one of those cushions, it's everydayness and being attention, paying attention, uh, being attention, certainly. And those last two lines have you two figured, finally figured out what beauty is for? And have you changed your life? What you do every day and your daily activities, what I do. And what we focus on through our forms of practice, we're expressing the, the incomprehensible beauty and the terribleness of it all. And when Toni Morrison said, at some point in life, the world's beauty becomes enough. You don't need to photograph, paint, or even remember it, it's enough. This is a black woman writing about a lot of difficult things. At some point in life, the world's beauty becomes enough. And so Mary Oliver says to pay attention, this is our endless and proper work. <laughs> and that's what I was attempting to do with what John O'Donoghue had offered this week and what I sat with in practice. I'd love to live like a river flows, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. So this morning, today, this afternoon, whatever it is for you, I've I wanted to share some of that unfolding and see if it, uh, if you want to jump in the river with me a little bit um, with whatever questions or comments or concerns you might have. We have Sheila straight to the seat. Thank you very much. And that was so beautiful. And I was just wondering if you would comment more on the vigilance. I'm very comfortable with the word awareness and the concept of flow. And I, I think sometimes with the actual flow and surprises, <laughs> but sometimes I think I'm so vigilant that it's stressful. So yeah, could you elaborate on the vigilance concept? Sure. Yeah, that sort of hyper-vigilance that some of us have <laughs> because of 
uh, trauma or some way we organize experience over time in our bodies. We uh, have a, a what do I call hypervigilance. I'm guessing that what he's inviting, because he pairs it with the word patient, um, and patient, uh, so I'm guess it's a form of what I talked about last week, the kind of waiting and attending, the spacious presence, uh, that kind of vigilance, a, a warm-hearted attention that we would, uh, like you would have when you go sit on the banks of the Blanco or wherever you would in, you know, in the hill country, and you just watch, but you're not lost, you're actually there. And that not kind of... judging. Yeah, that's, that's what he said. The word judging came in. I'm afraid my vigilance sometimes has that element of, kind of like you were talking about in the Zendo, judging. Absolutely. Like a Zen person. Or... Absolutely. Yeah, and... we're so, that, it's a slippery slope. It is. And we're often pulled into it. So that's that's why it's worth to kind of sit with these phrases sometimes and let them open up. Uh, what is this really? What, what, what does and this mean? Connected mercy, or John Donahue connected mercy with the riverbed somehow, being wide and spacious and mercy. Uh huh. So that, that somehow. Gorgeous image. Helps the vigilance. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks for putting up with all of my curating of all these things. But I, I find these and I sit with them and then I, it's then I narrate my practice for you. <laughs> it's like Becky's on deck here. Oh, Flint, I'm so glad to be here today. I arrived late back from an appointment and I was wondering even if I could take it in because of how I am feeling this day and several days before. Could I even take in anything? And I decided it doesn't matter to anybody else if I do or not. And I'll just be here. And because of what you have been saying, I felt I wanted to come forward and say so because just just in the the part that you chose about it and so on is so completely affirming for me and reminded me deep in myself that I have I'm just you know it's like when when I began my practice, the, what did, I don't know how long this is now, three and a half years, something, something like that. Um, it came to me when I was observing that the observer was essentially coming to the river and finding the stones, that, looking at each stone, and most of them were jaggedy, and that the observer then said, put that one back in the river. And so I have lived with that in my practice as a real, as something very real is that the softening of the water and, and the things that I can, instead of trying to fix now because I am aware of it, but instead to put it back in the river has really worked quite well for me throughout these years and I still use it very actively as as the image and when I did that I went well where am I there's the observer where am I and I and I saw that what I am is 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 the flow mm -hmm. it is the flow and so today's talk really helped me today to be very present through the rest of the talk you were giving and so on in the way I hadn't expected so much is that just to hear your voice and to be here with the people here that I love so much was all I had thought I was coming to. And so I just want to thank you hugely for that. Thank you. I saw your, your name when it came up um, while we were sitting, or a little after, I can't remember what it was, but I saw that, oh, that's unusual for Becky not to be here right in the beginning. And so I, I thought maybe something 
had happened. And, and I, and I began to, this is a, a silly thing maybe, but I began to think of my old church days when we would sing, shall we gather at the river? You know, it's like we're gathering, uh, uh, together. So I'm glad that you, you came and glad that you dipped into the flow with us. Thank you. Me too. I'm very glad I came. Thank you. See Bridget. Hi, Flint. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful offering, the way you melded the ideas of Zen and the poetry of Mary Oliver and the, the quotes from Father Donahue. I um, found myself beginning to weep because I just returned from a, recently from four nights and five days with a friend to help her drive across country. She's moving. She moved from Massachusetts to California. So I was with her from Kansas City, Missouri until Salt Lake. But we stopped at a place where I, I actually made a recording of a river because I just love the sound of that so much. And um, it just really resonated with me. And interestingly, for the first time since March, I received a text from my son who hasn't spoken to me. And he's at, he asked if I was going to be at his niece's birthday or my younger grandchild turns one this Saturday. And would you please bring them? But I must have missed something because I don't know what them is. And so I was at first concerned about, well, how do I reply to him without making, you know, goofing up? And then you've given me the the idea of just letting it flow, just saying, hey, I must have missed something. Uh, what is the them that you want? And I'll be there. But this is really, really valuable to have your interpretation of these these ideas brought together in such a clear and concise way. And I want to express my gratitude. Well, thank you. It's it's helpful to me to have each person's reflection when you offer something like you've done or ask a question, because that deepens, like I said, this is what I'm practicing with. And then I narrate that as clearly as I can. And then you come and meet me. So we're that that flow is the, the Dharma gate of relationship. Yeah. And so perhaps there's an opening, but whatever it is, I'll reply and, and just let it go. It's not up to me. Right, it's just that gap you can you step through and see how it goes. Right, the idea of mercy. I like yeah. that. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. You just have to, there you go. <laughs> Hello. Good to see you. Hear your voice. You too. <laughs> I was also late today and the meeting that was longer than I thought, so I rushed on my bicycle. Um, and I felt how important it was to be here with you and everybody. Thank you. And I, what I would like to share, it's just to, you know, the image of the river, you know, I live near a river. Yes, there, Baron. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I can jump in and, and try my way to get out of it. So, um, When I listened to you talking about the river, it really touched me deeply because um, I feel the river I'm living next to is really offering, um, how can I say, it takes courage to jump in because it has been very, very fast. And sometimes I don't go because I'm afraid. But if I lie on, on my back and my ears are under the water and I hear the music of the water over the stones and then I see all the trees left and right. And it's just 
one of these moments of grace where it's just not possible to think of something because <laughs> so you can rest into something larger and the thinking seems so small yeah and, and as you speak today i see some there's some vulnerability or something that you're feeling i just want to let you know i notice hmm. yes because yes oh go ahead i wanted to share another kind of river that i have been in lately um, I've been visiting my 94-year-old aunt in Israel. Um, and I went with my cousins to, to demonstrations, which is also a kind of flow. Mm -hmm. And I think what you, that's where I'm, I feel the vulnerability because I think I need some help to, and I got some help listening. Um, um it was an experience a very very deep experience to be with all these people with deep concerns and fears and being together and some and very different people and lots of things i could have opinions about and agree or not agree but the feeling was just a, a force of of a, a lot of people who fear for having a free life. So, um, and there were some, some Palestinians also, which made me feel better. So it was in, quite inclusive. And it's, uh, it's uh, heartbreaking. It is. And I saw an old man, I think he is from the founder generation with a little uh, cardboard and a, a stick and democracy was written on it. And I just thought for him and for this founder generation, it's just. Yeah, it makes heartbreaking. the tears, tears come very quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. So heartbreaking and, and beautiful. And, and terrible and everything. Yes. To see an elder, to see an elder does touch you in a different way. Yes. And the children. There were people with children too, yes. Um, and it's just this moment of really not knowing which, how will this flow continue? And um, it's not graspable, you know, I can imagine all very bad things and the worst things happening. Um, so I, something in me calmed down when I heard you talking about the river. like how can i be take part be active um show up also in such a situation and remember the flow that we share mm -hmm. and now you've invited over 40 people all around the world to flow with you mm -hmm whether it's in that river in Switzerland or if it's in that city in Israel. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm, I'm so moved by what you're saying. And I also remember standing on a bridge in Bern shoulder to shoulder with you looking at that river and we look at the bears too you know um and that's that's another part of our practice to be able to 
mean against someone and to to bear witness yeah sometimes it's more raucous like it was in the demonstration and sometimes it's more quiet with a simple friend on a bridge but uh, that's the shelter that we provide for each other so we can live Thank you. Thank you. This is the riverbed of mercy that Father Ruhr talked about, the space that's now open. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, Grateful for Denise for bringing herself so yeah fully. <clears throat> yeah, she's really holding all of it. You know, that's what the river does. You know, as it flows. So. It was everything beautiful. And I think what kept coming back in my head, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what do you do when you get stuck? You know, I get stuck, you know, Kev got really stuck, you know. And what is that, you know, how does that, And I, I started having thoughts about as the river flows and the water's impeded, it's affecting everything, sometimes in terrible ways, sometimes in beautiful ways. Um, and it is part of the flow, you know. Um, and I also was wondering what... John O'Donohue really meant by being carried. Mm. And it, what just came to me as Denise was talking at the end was what carries us and helps us move forward and loosens us from that stuckness is the, is carrying surprise openness to surprise, you know. I don't know, I just wanted to share that. That's exquisite. <clears throat> There's a word care is embedded in carrying, which is what we're enacting. Yeah. We care for each other. Sometimes that's that's an opportunity, is the invitation, as I said, to be what we call unstuck. Um, or we call stuck, but that's just the way things are sometimes. <clears throat> Have you ever canoed or kayaked and you get behind a rock or something and like you're kind of stuck, you know, mm -hmm. for a while until you, yeah. you care for the situation enough to know where to be released. And sometimes the release is a wholesome release and you get back in the flow and you go and sometimes you turn over and the release doesn't seem, um, you know, Keb sought release. Yeah. yeah. And, and it really caught me too, that phrase, the tragic gap. Just offered in each moment. Yeah. We do have choice. There is a place that we start to separate how do we meet that? It's like Denise said, she's in the midst of all of this. Yeah. There's nothing to do. There's no solution. But paying attention makes a difference. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So when Mary Oliver said, that's our 
essential work is attention. Yeah. That's our practice that we offer. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for <clears throat> flowing along yeah. with us. Yep. What we're all doing. <laughs> no matter what we think about it, that's actually what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just a strange story here at the end, but uh, what you were talking about, Denise, made me think of it. When I was a young boy, uh, before school age or early school age, we lived in San Antonio, Texas. And toward the end of our street was a, a, a drainage area where water would go when it would rain quite a bit. And there was a, a culvert, you know, a, a bridge with the water would shoot through this space under the bridge when it rained a lot. And being a, a little boy, I was think I was five at this time. I was fascinated by, you know, like as little kids get about watching the water come through this thing. And I went down and I thought about this in a very long time. And I had a long stick because boys have sticks, you know, I had a long stick and I would I would put it down so I could feel the water. I could get the stick was long enough to feel it. Oh, it's strong, you know. And the next thing I knew, there was a period of uh, unconsciousness. And the next thing I knew, a man was pulling me out of the water. Because somehow, I, I don't think it had pulled me off. I think I was mesmerized in some way and fell into the rushing flood of this drainage ditch. And... A man and his son were standing on the edge because he was with his boy and they were watching the flood, but he pulled me out. <clears throat> so I was saved. <clears throat> and then I had to go home with my boots full of muddy water and a mess and a little, I'd bit through my lip and uh, hope my parents wouldn't be too mad because they were so scared. Um, but this testing and sometimes the falling and the rescuing and the confession, it, it's just, there was, everything was there, you know. So let's chant the four practice principles together. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream, each moment life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, it's compassion's way. Thank you so much, Flint. And thank you for reminding us of the space that's always there, the riverbed through which everything flows. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to offer Dana to Flint, please do go to apamada.org forward slash contribute and you'll find a space there to offer Dana to Flint or to put in the box wherever you'd like your um, donation to go to. So thank you all so much. Your support means so much to us all. And, and if you'd like to continue to flow with me for a further 30 minutes, then please do pop yourself into gallery view and I shall jo oh gosh, join you in just a moment. Thank you so much.